Sunday School. And if you have your Bibles, be finding our passage we read earlier, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We're looking today at the three spiritual disciplines that will aid us as we seek the Lord, trying to seek God. And uh, you may have noticed that it's not without its struggle. And we've pointed out that we will be hindered by three root sins. The sin of greed, the sin of pride, and the sin of lust, the appetites of the flesh. But Jesus has given to us three spiritual disciplines to counteract those three root sins. Last week, we looked at the first one that he lays out for us in Matthew 6, 1 through 4. The sin of greed, he says, I have a solution for you. Give. (laughs) Uh, Turn the hand that is grabbing into a hand that is giving. The second is verses 5 to 15, and it's, it attacks the sin of pride. Praying breaks the power of pride because prayer and pride are opposites. <clears throat> a, a person who doesn't pray is a person who doesn't feel that they need God. That would be the definition of pride. But when you pray, you are making a declaration of dependence. Psalm 10.4 says, In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek God. In pride, you don't seek God. You don't need the church, you don't need his word, you don't need his worship. But as you humble yourself, (coughs) you, and pride dies, and you declare to the Lord and to others that you are in need of his goodness and grace. I was just noticing, I, I don't remember who said this, but they pointed out that there have been in the history of the United States over a hundred declarations by the president uh, of calling the nation to prayer. In fact, they even made it a national or an annual proclamation. But in these hundred declarations by various presidents, Uh, They usually included the word humiliation. They didn't just say, we're proclaiming a day of prayer, but they would say, a day of prayer and humiliation. Because to pray is to humble yourself and declare your need for God. And pride must be defeated, dear people. Um, Proverbs 13 and 10 
Only by pride comes contention. If you, if, if you have a fuss, pride that is humbled can resolve that. A humble, nothing resolves a conflict like a humble apology. Uh, I, I've apologized to my wife all our marriage. One time I said to her, I said, how come I'm always the one that has to apologize? And, and uh, she said, because you're always the one that's wrong. So I said, yeah, humility, my friends. Did you know that if we could trace it back, I think we would find that the very first sin in existence was Satan when he was lifted up with pride. Paul mentions this in 1 Timothy 3.6 about uh, getting a pastor. He says, don't get a new Christian, a, a novice, a, a new convert. Lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation of the devil. In other words, Satan had this high position in heaven and it, it, he became proud. And the moment of pride is the moment of exile from heaven. That seems to be the very first sin. It's the sin of pride. So we're looking today at the discipline of prayer because praying kills pride. And Jesus says, first of all, how not to pray. Verse 5. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and street corners to be seen by others. In other words, prayer is not primarily a liturgy, a ritual to be seen by people. It's, prayer is not like public worship. Sometimes I hear people pray in public and they, they're praying for everybody from the Civil War up to the Vietnam War and into the Ukraine. I'm thinking, brother, pray at the moment. Give us something in brief and then sit down. Some people pray to preach. It's like they're, in, it's like they're informing everyone of these great uh, issues of the day. Prayer is nothing like that. You're not trying to impress men. You're not even trying to impress God with big words and long prayers. Look at verse 7. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles or pagans do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Prayer is not trying to show off to God your theology. But rather, he says, when you pray, pray like this, verse 9, our Father in heaven. In other words, prayer is like talking to your Father. It's a conversation. It's, it's not so much meant for people to listen in on. In fact, there's a lot of things you would tell your Father you might not want anybody to know about. It, but it's a conversation. Sometimes people will say, uh, when we ask them to pray in public, they'll say, oh, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't pray. I don't pray in public. Because I, I can't 
pray like that. And I think, can you, do you talk to people? Can you have a conversation with someone? And that's usually yes. Well, what is prayer? Jesus says it's a conversation with your heavenly Father. So this is what he's teaching us. Um, so he's teaching us how to pray. It's interesting to me that the disciples never asked Jesus to teach them how to preach. And though they saw a number of healings, miracles, they never asked him to teach them how to heal. But they did in Luke 11, 1, as he was praying, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. They did ask him. They thought, okay, that's the core of everything else. So they said, Lord, you, please teach us to pray. And so what you have here in Matthew 6, verses 9 to 13, is what is commonly called the Lord's Prayer. It is His priorities and organized petitions. It can be memorized and prayed in 20 seconds. But notice verse 9. Pray then like this. Not pray this, but pray like this. In other words, the Lord's Prayer is not simply something that you uh, memorize and, and by rote say on occasion, but it's an outline. It's a model prayer where to pray with those priorities and arrangement of topics and then you can fill in the blanks underneath. And there's seven petitions in the Lord's Prayer. Um, in verse 9 and 10, pray like this, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's one. Your kingdom come. That's two. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's three. God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will. Now this is what Jesus would call the priorities of prayer. And, they, and it belongs to God. The next four petitions are what we would call the man's necessities. These start in verse 11. Give us this day daily bread. So provision for the body. Then he says, forgive us for our sins or debts. This is the solutions for the soul. The forgiveness of sin. Bread, provision, forgiveness. And then third, verse 13, lead us not. Notice, lead us. There's a third one, guidance. Guidance. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. Protection, that's number four. So some have thought that a, what a man needs is food or provision. Forgiveness, that is 
the cleansing of his conscience. He needs guidance because he doesn't know what, where to go next, what to do. And he needs deliverance or protection. These four may very well represent the four basic needs of a man and a woman. Provision, forgiveness, guidance, and protection. And we are told that we can pray these. God's priorities and man's necessities. Now, what I want to do next Sunday morning, I want to take these seven petitions of God's priorities and man's necessities and show you how you can set up a prayer time and pray one of these each day of the week. And you'll pray through the Lord's Prayer. And by the end, by Saturday, you will have gone through each of the seven petitions. And what I'm going to do is give you, I'll put the, uh, the way Jesus worded it here. And then underneath, all of the things that can go with that. For example, the first one, hallowed be your name. Under that, we can put, Lord, help me to so dress to so speak, to so talk, so your name is not dishonored today. You see that? Now, what we'll do is take every one of those, those petitions and we'll set it up so in five minutes, according to how many, things you, how many topics you want to put under each individual petition, you can have a prayer time every day and go through the Lord's Prayer 52 times in one year. It'll change your life. So we'll do that. I wanna, uh, and I want to give you a handout sheet next Sunday with uh, each day of the week with one of these petitions and the suggested topics that you can pray for under each one. Now, with the time I have left this morning, I want us to just take the first phrase of the prayer, the introduction to the prayer. Every word in this prayer is precious. It's like gold. In verse 9, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven. And we'll just stop right there. Let's camp there for a few minutes. First word in the prayer, our Father. Did you know that when you read through the Lord's Prayer, you will not find a single singular pronoun? There's no I, me, my. It's our Father. It is in verse 11, give us this day, forgive us our debts. Verse 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. It's all, this prayer is designed for a family, a family of God. You know why? It's a pride killer. Because you cannot pray this prayer and say you are independent of people and you don't care what they think. 
This prayer not only connects you to God, but unites you with people. See, pride does the opposite of both of those. Disconnects from God and divides you from others. This prayer will help you connect to God and unite with others. Our Father. It is a profession of faith that you are in a family, the family of God. Number two, the word Father. Our Father. When you come to God, there's a tendency, I've noticed in my own life, to say, Oh God, <laughs> have mercy upon me, a sinner. Oh God, not see, and so Jesus, and I'm giving you the teaching of Jesus, he says, when you start praying, don't start out with distance between you and God by your confession. Don't start out with God there and separate. Because it's very easy to do that, isn't it? Because we don't feel worthy to talk to God who created everything. He holds the galaxies and sustains the universe. And we're coming to Him. But folks, this is not the Star Wars force. This is the Father. My Father. Our Father. So, and you don't want to come, and I thought about this, believe me, but Jesus is teaching us here to not come if you're a believer, and uh, this is for his disciples, Matthew 5, 1, seeing the crowds, he went up the mountain. When he sat down, his disciples came to him. He's teaching disciples, his people, how to pray. This is not for people who are not Christians. That's why we can pray our Father. Now, what if you're a Christian and you feel very unworthy? And I, I doubt if there's a true Christian here today that doesn't. The first thing that we tend to do is confess our sin or acknowledge our unworthiness. Jesus is saying, no, I'm teaching you the first thing out of your mouth is Father. Whoa. Father. That's not guilt-focused, the, the guilt of man, but that's God-focused, the love of God. That's what's focused right there. So you're, you're coming focused on the love of God. As when you come as a child, if you, if, if you care enough to pray, He cares enough to love you as you are in all your failures. When your child comes to you and the grade cards are bad or they scratch the car up, your first response is what? Are you okay? That's the first thing out of your mouth. We, you want to know if, 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 if they're okay. Then you can beat them with the rod. That's, that's afterwards. That's afterwards. 
And I want to add this. Uh, when we say our Father, we're including by our confession of faith that we are among God's people. We're one of God's people. Our Father. We're in His family. We, the, in the Old Testament, God is identified with the Jews. But guess what? If you come to God through Jesus Christ, Gentile or Jew, you are among God's people. Listen to Isaiah 63, verse 16. You are our father. Though Abraham does not know us, Israel does not acknowledge us. If you went over to Israel today and wanted to be a citizen of Israel, you know what? You couldn't. You have to be Jewish and in Judaism, or uh, actually, uh, you don't even have to be uh, uh, in Judaism. You just cannot be a Christian to be a citizen of modern-day Israel. But you know what you can be? You can be part of the true Israel of God, the, the true new creation and the family of God if you come to God through Jesus Christ, according to Jesus. And He tells us to pray, Our Father. For you are our father. Though Abraham does not know us, Israel does not acknowledge us. You, O Lord, are our father, and our redeemer from old is your name. Now that's a confession that you make right in the very beginning of the prayer. Here you are coming as a child of God, by coming as and calling him Father, you have by faith included yourself in his family and among his people, and you have believed that he loves you by calling him Father. You have trusted in his love. One of the things I would encourage you to do is believe in the love of God to you. It takes faith. Listen to 1 John 4, 16. We have come to know, 1 John 4, 16, and we have come to believe the love God has for us. You have to believe it. Embrace that by faith. We have come to believe. Not we've come to feel it. Because sometimes we don't feel it. But my friends, we can believe it. And you know why? Because all we have to do is look at the cross and see where, that God loved us so much he, sent, much he sent His Son and that that's not proof enough, I can't give it to you. God is our Father. And then one other phrase, we don't want to leave this out. Our, our, plural, Father who art in heaven. Now what does that say? about us well that means it's not an earthly father we're praying to this is the heavenly father who has unlimited resources our father who art in heaven 
a pastor was tell, telling us this week, uh, he said uh, when he first started to preach when, as a young man, he wanted to go to school to prepare. And his father was a wonderful Christian man. And he told his dad, he said, Dad, I want to go to school. And his dad put his arms around him and said, I'm so proud of you, son. I just can't help you. I can't help you. Because I, I don't have money. And he had the love, because he was his father, but he didn't have the power. See, when you say our father, you're saying God loves me. But when you say our father in heaven, you're saying God is able to help me. The God that you call father will never be a God who says I want to, but I can't. Now this should open up your future to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because I know you're able. Willingness and ability. Someone said, what you have in Father is the sympathy of a father and then what you have our Father in heaven is the sovereignty of a king. So you bring the sympathy of a father and the sovereignty of a king and you bring them together and your life will change, my friend. And you remind us, we remind you of those two things. Here is a father with unlimited resources. Mark 10, 27, Jesus said, With man this is impossible but it's not with God. For with God, all things are possible. And that's how we come to God. A missionary in India named Smith had been there for several years in a Sunday school class. A Sunday school teacher got the idea that she would have her children in the class write to Mr. Smith and let him know that they were praying for him. So these little children, they were writing their letters, but uh, the teacher said, now children, please know that Mr. Smith is a very busy man, so he's probably not going to answer your letters. So one little boy wrote, Dear Mr. Smith, we are praying for you, but we are not expecting an answer. <laughs> Sometimes that's the way we pray. Now Jesus is going to lay out here these seven petitions. This is what Jesus said, this is how you pray, so that you get an answer. And I think we can throw our whole selves on to these petitions in faith in God as Father, the Father in the heavens, unlimited resources, and walk every day in victory through Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise His name. Praise His name. Next Sunday morning, we will give you an outline of these seven petitions with topics, suggested topics underneath each one, 
so that you can learn to pray based on the Lord's outline. All right? Ushers, you come. Let's, uh, let's 